Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 19 of chapter 1 in Genesis. And we're going to begin by just quickly um, reading uh, this portion. In Genesis 1, beginning in verse 16, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. We've seen that God literally created the sun, moon, and stars, but he also established them for four purposes, as signs, seasons, for days and years, or for time, and for lights. Uh, He set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And the number four relates to universality. It is a worldwide phenomenon that everyone in the whole world, throughout the history of the world, has been witness to the sun, the moon, and the stars. And they were even created on the fourth day. This is something that will impact every human being that will ever live on the earth We only live because of the sun and the moon and the stars. If they were not there, we could not live uh, physically. And it's also true spiritually that God's elect live as a result of the shining of the gospel, the shining forth of the word of God, the spiritual sun, moon, and stars. Now, it says in Psalm 19, verse 1, we've read this before, but I'll read it another time. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. And so it was fitting, proper, that the sun, moon, and stars be created on the fourth day. And the day that God is performing the work of uh, a certain aspect of his creation is significant. Just think of how God works six days. And and that number is significant because in the Bible, the number six points to work. And the number four points to the universality of something or the worldwide scope 
of something and 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 as God said in Psalm 19 there is no voice nor language that does not receive the communication of God the witness that God established in the heavens to all human beings no matter what what language they they speak or or uh what it 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 transcends that it is a witness of the lights above in the heavens declaring the glory of God. That there is a God, that there is a creator, that he made all these things. And he made man also. Well, and we're approaching that point. But let's go on and read uh, the next the next few verses. The next day of creation, which will be the fifth day, it says in Genesis 1, verse 20, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly, after their kind, and every wing fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And since we were just talking about the significance of the number of the day, well, what does five point to in the Bible. Five points to the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ, or to the atonement, the payment for sin. And that has everything to do with God's salvation program. It has everything to do with his grace, his mercy, with the eternal life that he gives those that he saves. And so, as we see that God created the moving creature that has life and the fowl and so forth, on the fifth day, we wonder, does it have any relationship to the atonement? Is there any significance to the atonement and this creation of the creatures on the fifth day? Well, let's look at verse 20. More carefully, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. You know, the evolutionists, when they um, speak of origins, and, and we've talked about how ridiculous the idea of something coming from nothing was, with their stuff in the beginning that explodes and and all of a sudden the whole universe forms and and not only forms but falls perfectly into place. I mean, just imagine how how incredible it is that the Earth forms in the precise position that it does in the distance from the sun, and that the sun forms in in that precise position and the moon and the stars and as 
I think we've mentioned before, if the earth were closer to the sun, we would burn up. If we were further away, it would be too cold. And and so we're in just the right spot. Really, if anyone believes in evolution, you're really believing in a series of miracles. You're you're believing, of course, it's miracles without a God. Uh, but but basically, it's incredible miracles that first of all there was something that came from nothing. No one knows where the original um, thing the size of an electron came from, or smaller than an electron. And there's your first miracle, that there is something that exists to explode. But then, once it does explode, it forms the universe in the manner it did, where where everything falls into place. Yes, yes, over the course of time. But there it is, right in place, in a position for life to exist. And then you have uh, planets or, or earth and, and sun and moon and stars, but you don't have life. So then the next miracle is that from non-life, life develops. Life develops. And, and they admit it takes water to have life. And... And, and so through a series of processes, water comes to be. And then through another series of processes over the course of billions of years, that's always the convincing element. If, if you tell people this and uh, over, over the course of years or thousands of years, nobody believe it, but add the word billions and now, oh, okay, all right, yeah, somehow adding eons of time tends to make things more believable, so they, they throw it in there. There's the, the mysterious ingredient of long ages, billions of years, and, and that's what will do it. And, and so non-life can become life. What an incredible miracle that there was no life, but then life developed somehow over billions of years. And, okay, now you've had already a few miracles to get to that point of life. And that would be some kind of amoeba or some kind of bacteria or, or some something that is the initial life. And then from that, it, maybe it's in the water comes a higher form of life and and you see how incredible it is just if it happened one time with one life form if there were just one type of creature that would develop and and if that thing were alive but deformed because after all it's all random and and you know its eyes on top of its head or or uh, on its foot or something, that would be a miracle. But it somehow manages, you know, billions of years can can really perform miracles. It somehow manages that the eyes get into their proper place, the ears, um, you know, they, they go out to their proper position, the mouth, the tongue, the nose, and and not to mention all the 
uh, other important organs and the brain and the heart and and all these things somehow managed to fall into perfect place as though there were someone designing it. But, of course, that's ridiculous according to evolution. And if that happened with one creature, you would have an astounding miracle. But it's not just one creature, is it? We have cats, we have dogs, we have elephants, we have rabbits and foxes and deer, and uh, we we have chickens and turkeys and ducks and and geese and, and just a whole series of animals that have all their eyes in, in the proper place and their ears in the proper place and all their parts in the proper place. And, and that's only one, one area. Then, then you have the insect world, you have the sea creatures, and, and the, then there's just, just a whole, uh, amazing spectrum of creatures. Just, just, I don't know the total number of creatures that inhabit the earth. Not to mention man, the chief creature. And, and can you see how many miracles it would take for each one of these creatures to develop its own track line and to form into the position and, and, and to be the creature it is today? Wow. And you can see why God's people say that evolution is absolutely ridiculous. It, it is absolutely the most ridiculous thing that mu- the mind of man has imagined to, and yet it's, it's worldwide accepted. The, the people, the nations think you're a fool if you don't believe it. And, and what blindness, what complete blindness of mind. The ignorance level is astounding to accept something like that. And it's only because they cannot, they cannot face the alternative. The other option is completely unacceptable, even though it explains everything perfectly that there was a creator God and God spoke and God made the heavens and he made the earth and and he positioned the earth in exactly the precise position it needed to be in for life to develop and god placed the sun as a huge example of himself the light of the world and and so forth and then god began to um, form the earth and and divide the waters from the land, and then begin to create the creatures. And so the waters brought forth abundantly moving creatures, and God created the fowl. It it doesn't mean uh, that they developed on their own. No, there was a, a intelligence, the a brilliance behind the creation of these creatures. And here is God, the the master designer, a tremendous, tremendous creator, and he has 
um, incredible power and might and ability. And so he speaks, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. So at first there were seas, as God divided the waters and brought them into an area so the dry land would appear and set bounds around them. God had water with no creatures, no life. It it was a dead sea. In other words, there was only water. And now God is saying, let the waters bring forth. And then in an instant, suddenly fish appeared and the the sea creatures appeared. God mentions the whales. They were there from that day. The fifth day, God made the whales. So a huge sea creature began to swim in the sea. And we know from uh, today, uh, we, we, we know that the sea is full of myriads of of wonderful, beautiful creatures. Uh, if you've ever seen one of those nature videos where they they go down to the depths of the sea and you see uh, all kinds of fish of different colors and different shapes and sizes and and different faces on on them and then there's lobster and crab and and just just all kinds of creatures seahorses that that exist in the sea and for much of history man had no ability even to see these creatures they they were in the depths of the sea but now with camera we uh they're able to go down and they can they can show us the wonderful assortment of creatures that god created and and we can we can see creatures that were never seen before in the history of the world because they're at such tremendous depths and man could never have gone down that far and yet god created them even though Man never even saw them. Remember, for God, the world was created for his pleasure and his glory. And and so these creatures do glorify God. Well, we know this is what God did on that fifth day. And even later, when God brings the flood of waters to destroy the earth, he destroyed the creatures with the breath of life upon the land. Of course, with a flood, that didn't destroy all the sea creatures. Uh, the uh, Some of them would have been caught in mudslides or things like that, and they would have perished. But overall, most of the sea creatures survived the flood. and And so they have been in existence from... The fifth day of creation in the year 11,013 BC. From this point when God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. Let them bring forth. Now, notice God is saying, Let the waters bring forth. And we understand that he's addressing that area 
of concern that there will be the sea creatures, the creatures of the water. But the way he's saying it, let the waters bring forth, it's as though the waters themselves are producing the creatures. And there's a reason why God says it that way. If we look at um, Isaiah 35. Isaiah chapter 35. It says in verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. The water brings life. Where water goes, life comes. And God uses water as a picture of the gospel, a picture of the word of God that would go forth in a dry and barren land or a dry and thirsty land where no water is because uh, there's no gospel, but the gospel that that God has devised himself, the gospel that is there and available in the day of salvation because God took it upon himself to die in the person of the Lord Jesus for the sins of his elect, and therefore water became available and was able to bring life. In Isaiah 55, in verse 1, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And the same word, waters, that we find in Genesis 1. And here God is picturing someone uh, thirsty and, and, and receives a cool drink of waters. Another type and figure of the gospel. But in Ezekiel, Chapter 47, we find a very um, interesting passage, and I'm going to read these verses beginning in verse 1, and I think you'll see how it relates to Genesis and our verses in Ezekiel 47, verse 1. Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward, For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again he measured a thousand, and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand, and brought me through. The waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen." waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. 
Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country, and go down into the desert, and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh. Well, there we find God giving an illustration of waters coming forth from the house of God that would be coming forth from God himself. And wherever the waters come, they cause things to live. There is life. And notice there's a a reference to a very great multitude of fish, just as we would read in the Gospel of John. John 21, of the great catch of fish, 153 pointing to all those that God would save. The fish represent God's elect, as Jesus would tell the disciples when uh, he, he was sending them forth, I will make you to be fishers of men. And so the sea creature, and that's what a fish is, the sea creature is a type and a figure of God's elect. And and here, where the waters go, they bring forth life. Now, one other thing that I'd like to point out is in Ezekiel 47, 9, I'll read it again. And shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth. The Hebrew word translated as moveth is Strong's eighty three seventeen, And it's the word translated abundantly. In our verse in Genesis 1 verse 20, God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature. And and so we can see the tie-in through the use of this word. God is indicating that the waters will bring forth an abundance of living creatures. That is, the waters of the gospel, as they are sent forth and flow forth into the world coming from God will bring forth life. They they will bring forth living creatures. God's elect will become saved as a result of the hearing of the word of God. Abundantly. They, They will bring forth abundantly. As we have learned from the scriptures that God saved a great multitude out of the time of the little season of great tribulation. And over the course of all of earth's history, since the creation, God has saved um, tens of millions of people, perhaps as many as 200 million people. And, and so God's program of salvation has been an abundant program of salvation. He has bestowed abundant mercy, abundant grace. The Lord Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, 
The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Well, that's true of each one of us. We receive eternal life and a, a, an abundance of life, especially in comparison to the little pittance of of man's typical lifespan in this world of 70 or 80 years. Just, just there's no comparison, is there, with eternal life to 70 or 80 years or a, a, a rare occasion you live to be 100. So what? Compared to eternal life, life without end, it it truly would be like having a drop of water compared to the Atlantic Ocean. That's the comparison between life in this world and eternal life, abundant life. But it also relates to the numbers that God saved. He saved abundantly. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.